Let's look at uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 9. It says, let your love be sincere. Is there ever a time when love is not sincere? Talk is cheap, is it not? Just words. But it says here, let your love be sincere. A real thing. Not phony, not counterfeit, but the real deal. I don't know if you ever heard of the hero in Harlem, but I'd like to read you the article. Cameron Hollapeter, 19, suffered a seizure while waiting for the train in a New York City subway station. As his body convulsed out of control, the young man stumbled down the platform and onto one of the tracks directly into the path of an inbound train. Wesley Autry, 50, a construction worker who was standing on the platform with his two daughters, saw Hollipeter fall. He jumped onto the tracks and grabbed hold of him. With only seconds to spare, he rolled with the younger man into a drainage trough between two tracks. An instant later, the train cars thundered over both of them. Amazingly, neither man was injured. In the ensuing days, Altry was rewarded handsomely for his bravery. Mayor Michael Bloomberg, Bloomberg presented him with the city's highest award for civic achievement, calling him a man who makes us all proud to be New Yorkers. He was given $10,000 from Donald Trump. This is before he was president, even. A trip to Disneyland, uh, Disney World, and a year's supply of Metro cars from the Metropolitan Transportation Authority. His boss even bought him a hero sandwich. Okay. <laughs> Altry is modest about his new status as the hero of Harlem. I just did it because I saw someone in distress. He told reporters, someone needed help. And would to God that we would become sensitive enough. There's people around us every day of our life who need some help. It might just be a, a kind word or a smile, whatever. But are we sensitive? And I would challenge you to become sensitive, strategically plan on being a blessing to someone else. You don't have to jump on a train track necessarily to do that but we can touch other people's lives. We really, really can. Now, uh, John, one of our staff members, he, he talked to me after this, uh, the message last week, and he said, what about spontaneous hospitality? I'm going, okay, that's a good thought. You know, this seemed like this guy was spontaneous, and a lot of things seem to be spontaneous, but I thought about it for a moment, and you know what I came to the conclusion of? What's the Boy Scout motto? Be prepared. And see, if a person who has premeditated hospitality and they're prepared in their freezer, their refrigerator, they're prepared with a couple extra bucks in their pocket, they're, they're prepared, and a man or a woman who is prepared can be more spontaneous. Does that make sense? We are prepared to be spontaneous in our hospitality. You know, because I might go, hey, I want to bring somebody home. And I'm going like, oh, the house is a mess. There's nothing in the refrigerator. No, we're not going to do that today, you know. But if, if we premeditate it and go like, 
Clean up the house because we're going to looking for somebody to invite over, you know. Go grocery shopping, you know. And it's like, okay, looking for, does that make sense? As we prepare, we premeditated hospitality allows us to be spontaneous because of our preparation leading up to it. Well, let me go back to that verse that we just read. In Romans 12, 9, it says, let your love be sincere, a real thing. Verse 10 says, love one another with brotherly affection. And that brotherly means pure. It's not an impure kind of a thing. This is a brotherly affection. As members of one family, giving precedence and showing honor to one another. There's a passage we looked at last week at talking about readily adjusting yourself to people. A lot of people don't really do that, but adjusting yourself for other people is like you first, then me. You know, or there's one big brownie on a plate on the table and you're going like, why don't you have this brownie? That's adjusting yourself for other people. But we can strategically plan to put other people first. It's the heartbeat of God to love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's what the scripture tells us. So Mark Schultz of Bremerton, Washington, is a fatherless 12-year-old who likes to fish but has no adult to take him on fishing trips. So when Mark submitted a want ad asking for adult volunteers to take him fishing, guess how many people responded? Let me tell you something about fishermen. Fishermen love taking people fishing, okay? I'm a fisherman, I know. He got 20 people, 20 invitations to go fishing. Now you think about that, you know? That was awesome, showing hospitality. Now if we have a guy in our church, he was in the earlier service, uh, Ken Martin, and uh, he's involved in this little outreach to where uh, taking veterans, you know, who are back home, and they may be wounded or maybe not, but to take veterans fly fishing. And he does it because that's what his heart is like. You know, he likes to do that. And, you know, Cabela's found out about this whole deal. And any veteran who wants to go fishing, they will outfit you. Fishing poles and vests and waders and the whole nine yards and all. I said, you know, that's awesome. You know, so premeditative. There was a brother who came up after the last service and said, you know, we got some gear we would love to give to somebody who would like to be involved in this kind of a ministry. You know, they just wanted to be a blessing to somebody like that. I just thought it was awesome. Actually, Ken and his wife, they're actually a couple in our church. When you come for the first time, they're one of the couples who asked to be involved. And they'll be the ones who come and knock on your door, you know, and, and just welcome you to the community, answer any questions you got, you know, whatever, and just say briefly, just let you know we care. And there's an old saying about people don't care what you know until they know that you care. And it's a powerful truth. It really, really is. Well, let me pick up here in verse 11, uh, where we were reading here in Romans 12. Verse 11 says, never lag in zeal and in earnest endeavor. Be a glow. Whoops, I forgot my bag. 
I've been bringing my bag into the service for what, 38 years? So this is not new. And what I have in my bag is not new. Anytime I read something that talks about to be a glow, you may know what I might have in my, it's nothing new, it's just an old flashlight, you know, can't help it. And a man cannot possibly have too many flashlights, you know what I'm saying? Just can't, you know. But listen to this verse. Never lag in zeal and in earnest endeavor, be a glow. And burning with the Spirit, serving the Lord. Be a glow. And when Christ comes into our lives and we serve Him that way, you do glow. You may not be aware of it, but other people whose life you touch, so it's just like you glow. And He said, Be a glow and burning with the Spirit, serving the Lord. Verse 12 says, Rejoice and exult in hope. You know what hope means? A confident expectation for the future success. Now, the, the worldly word hope, well, I just hope everything goes okay, Richard. There's more doubt in that than there is faith. It's more negative. Well, I just hope you'll be all right, you know. But biblically, the word hope means a confident expectation for the future. That's what it means. Anyhow, he says here, verse 12, rejoice and exult in hope. Be steadfast and patient in suffering and tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of God's people. Contribute to a 12-year-old fellow who wants to go fishing. Contribute the most valuable thing you have. You know what it is? Time. You can get more money, but you'll never get more time. So when you give your time, it makes an eternal difference and it makes an impact because it's one of the most valuable things that you have. And he says, contribute to the needs of God's people, sharing in the necessities. The word necessity means supplies and provisions. It says, sharing in the necessities of the saints. And then it says, we read this verse last week, it says, pursue the practice of hospitality. The word pursue means to hunt. It means to track, to trail. Now, I love tracking. I'm an outdoorsy guy. I fish and I hunt, and from time to time, uh, friends of mine would say, Pastor Ron, you know, uh, I got to see if you, somebody can help me find the game they were after. And I love tracking. I really do. You know, my kids, I taught my kids how to track when they were little, and I'd fill up my pockets with bird seed. I'd walk out in the yard there, and I'd drop a little... They'd be in the house. I'd drop a little bird seed there, a little, drop a little bit more bird seed. I'd go all kinds of ways. Then I'd start going up the mountain behind our house there and all. And they'd come out and they would find the birds. Oh, he's been here. And they would look all around. Oh, here he, he was over here too. But there's a pursuit, you see. And that's what this word means, pursue the practice of hospitality. It's talking about really work at it. You know, it's work, but it's fun. He says pursue to track, to chase, to, to work at the practice of hospitality. Become a lover of hospitality. That's what he's talking about. Now, in Romans chapter 12, verse 9, we just read it, but I'm going to read it out of a different translation. The Message Bible, listen to what it says. It says, don't burn out. We don't want to burn out, do we? 
Don't burn out. Keep yourselves. What's that next word? Let's read it again. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and flint. Now, what's the fuel of this thing here? Batteries. I might just have an extra one. There's two in there. There's two more there. This is enough to last me two weeks. And these, I'm not just doing this for show. These are always on my desk in a charger. I always, if you come to my house and you need, hey, my son, you got a flashlight? It's like, do I have a flashlight? <laughs> and I got lots of batteries that get us through two weeks, you know. He says here, don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. You want to keep yourself fueled and aflame. You don't want to burn out. You don't want your light to go out. You want to stay in relationship with God. And you know what I discovered? If you and I were like little charcoals, you know, one is okay, but when you put a whole bunch of old pieces of charcoal together, you can cook on it, <laughs> you know? I mean, the fire becomes blazing when we get together and we fuel one another and all. But that's what it says right here. It says... I can find out where I was at. Romans 12, 9, don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert, servants of the master. Cheerfully, what's that next word? Expectant. And my heart's desire when you come here that you would come expecting to hear from God. You would come expecting for God to use you to be an encouragement to somebody else who's in this room, that you would come with great expectation that the God who we serve is alive and he'll answer prayers. And I, I can't encourage you enough as we come together as believers, come with expectation. As you're praying for your friends and family to join us in the Easter service, expect them to come. Pray for them daily, for God's blessings upon them. Maybe invite them over for breakfast or lunch sometime in the midst. But have expectation. The enemy of our soul tries to fill us with what? Fear and worry and doubt, you know, anxiety. Where we need to come to God with expectation. That's what hope is, a confident expectation for the future. So uh, I was reading this article a couple of days ago. So I'm a little boy, and he came uh, home from his first day at Sunday school. And his mother asked him, you know, how he liked it. And uh, the child replied, I hated it. Can you imagine a kid coming home from Sunday school saying he hated it? They put me in a room full of children all by myself. I can, I can kind of understand that, you know, because even a full church can feel lonely if there's no hospitality. Is it possible to be alone in a crowd? It is. So if I have knighted you, oh, you know, men and women of great hospitality from this day forward. When you meet someone, get out of your comfort zone. You know I have to get out of my comfort zone to be here. 
You know that, right? I'm an introvert. And some of you think I'm lying. I'm an introvert. I'd rather be up on the mountain. And I, and I go up on the mountain every night, rain, snow, sleet, or hail. My wife thinks I'm absolutely crazy. And I might be a little bit. But I go up there for one reason. That's to pray for you guys. I pray for you every day, every night. And sometimes I get a chance to get up there in between some appointments, and I'll spend a half an hour up on the mountain just praying for God's blessings upon you. It's really important to pray with expectations. You know, it really is so important. Uh, but here's a little kid who says, I'm all by myself, you know, in this big crowded room. You think that we could become more sensitive to the needs of people around about us? Where we would get out of our comfort zone and say, hey, my name is so-and-so, and it's good to have you here today, especially as we get closer to Easter, but every day in reality. Because everybody, every one of you are so important to God. You really are. And almost all of us are a little fearful. We don't want to admit it, but we're a little fearful of getting to know somebody we don't know. You know, we feel a little awkward. But let us, because of the love of God in us, get out of our comfort zone and, and love people. Romans chapter 12, verse 11. Listen to what it says in the Message Bible. It says, don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be, what's that word? Inventive in hospitality. Now, what in the world does that mean? Be inventive in hospitality. Well, I think you might understand if you said, be creative. Be resourceful in hospitality. You know, um, what I have in my car all the time Oops. more flashlights more batteries sorry no I'm not sorry I'm glad I got those there might need them lights may go off or something but I always have this in my uh, truck let me see if I can roll it out there what is this it's a toe strap you guys know it's a toe strap and I always have it in my car and as a matter of fact, it was, I don't know, a month or two ago, we were up on the, at the north uh, part of Connecticut, and uh, on our way up there, there was a, a YMCA camp out in the wilderness there, and as we were on our way there, it had been snowing, and there was a big old truck up there. He was plowing the parking lot and everything, you know? So we went on our day off, and I was just want to check out this lake up there. Just for, it's just a beautiful spot way up north of Connecticut. And uh, so we checked it out, and then on our way back, a few hours later, we saw the, this place that goes up a steep hill where this YMCA camp is at. We want to stop by and see what it looked like. So as I'm driving up the road, and, and the, the parking lot is just really glazed now, you know. So I'm pulling up through there, and I get to the top and all, and I see this official big plow that we saw earlier, this truck. And he 